Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because, very important to say, because he has defiled the armies, defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Father, we thank you and we're always careful, Lord, to give you the praise, the glory, the honor. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here in our, in our midst, Lord God, as you minister to your people. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would grow um, not just in an understanding of your word, but of who you are and why you came. And that once we understand that, we would be compelled to do the same. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would deliver, set free people, move, heal bodies. But you would move in signs and in wonders. In Jesus' name, And we all said, amen. Amen. Last week, when we first began this topic, we looked at the trait of a lion. Since David killed a lion, we, we, we want to look at that. And, and we found that, that lions normally hunt as a team. But only one lion will often hunt alone, and that's the female lion. We looked at the, 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 the male lion, and it's not quite a hunter, but they dominate uh, and they take over a catch uh, by fear. They dominate by fear. Isaiah 5, verse 28, reads, Roaring like lions, they will pounce on their prey. They will seize my people and carry them off in tech into captivity, and no one will be there to rescue them. So the, throughout Scripture, you'll notice that God uses lions to describe the enemy, things that we go through. And we learn that everybody has a lion within. In, verse, in this verse, we see that the devil is a lion, but, but we all have our own lion, and we know what type of lion you have based on how you respond to the roar. Because lions roar to impose what they want upon you, right? Or should I say, when the lions roar, you will echo what the roar is. When you say, I can't do it, you have allowed the roar of the lion to rest into your spirit. If you say, it's too late, you know, I have this condition, I don't have money, I'm ugly, right? Like I said last week, I got no tephys. None of those, those are just echoes of a lion roaring at you, trying to convince you, yeah, that's you, you can't do it. Huh? It's too late. Lions give rise to excuses. So if the lion inside you doesn't paralyze you, just you, and it'll paralyze you into inaction, if the lion inside you, then the lions around you will try to paralyze you. Why? And the lion around you, we, we discussed in detail, is your, your flesh or the, the desires of the flesh. Right, men? What I, what I say, men being so easily stimulated by their eyes have the uncanny stupidity to let them roam. The, 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 those will get you in trouble, fellas. Amen? And we also discussed the fact that only females hunt. But we won't go into detail. If you want to know more about that, you got to go online and, 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 and watch the video. Then we talked about the, the bear, the bear within, 
those areas in your life that seem to never leave. They just hibernate, right? And you're always going to have something, you know? And normally it's the same thing over and over and over, but it's hibernating. You got to watch that fella, amen? It's always there. Did I tell you the story about the, the, old, pre the old preacher, the young preacher last week? I don't remember that. Remember that one? The, the young preacher, his prime, you know, 28, young, single, walking with this old preacher. Guy's about 80 years old, old preacher. And then all of a sudden, in walks this beautiful woman, woman. And the old preacher's just talking to the young guy, and the young guy is getting all nervous, right? And this girl walks by. I mean, she was so pretty, the Commodores jumped out of the wall and started playing music. I mean, they, and she walked by, and the preacher goes, you know, I can't wait. Until I'm, I'm more mature, and not not affected by my, my fleshly desires, and you know, and the old preacher said, "Me too." <laughs> See, those issues hibernate. Whatever your issue is, it'll leave you when you're dead. You always got to watch out for the bear, in within. Hello, someone. See, the enemy's preparation is much like a bear. The devil begins to feed you things when you're doing well, overindulgence, being out of balance, right? Because you think everything is cool. That's the danger. When everything you think is well is very, very dangerous because that's when you think, oh, I'm good. Everything's fine. I don't have to pray as much. I don't have to read as much. Yeah, I'm good. I must have read enough for, to last me a while. Or, or whatever the case may be, and then you overindulge yourself in things you shouldn't be doing. Hello? The bear is feeding itself. It's hibernating right now. So it's just feeding, 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 waiting for the opportune time to come out. Hmm? Right? So during times of plenty, the devil plants the seed for hibernation. Because bears make dens and burrows, caves, hollowed out trees, and rock crevices. Therefore, you must give no room to the devil. That's why Ephesians says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let your sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Right? Because the problem with giving place is when the hibernating bear, your issue comes out, it comes out hungry. Boom. Right? Give no air, area to the devil. It's not good enough just to, to suppress the problem. You need to kill it. Hmm? So the reason God brings, and this is what we ended with really last week, the reason God brings into our life a lion and a bear is simply to prepare us for Goliath. If you're ever going to do anything for God, and prayerfully, if you come to the Lord, do you want to do something for God? Well, you'll never be able to do anything for God until you are prepared for your Goliath. There is a perfect Goliath made just for you. God will never give you Goliath. Will, will not allow you to raise because not everybody will face a Goliath. Why? Because God will never give Goliath into your hands until you've, your hands have felt the hair of a lion and a bear. You have to have a victory. Once you've had victories over the lion and the bear, now you're ready, right? Some of you can't have victories over a puppy. Forget a lion. Forget a tiger or a lion or, or, or anything like that. You can't, you can't have victory over what? A chihuahua. Ah, the chihuahua's after me. Hmm? You have to come to a point where you have victory over a lion and a bear. That's just, that's who we are. That's our nature. 
We're not here to come to play church and, and dress nice and say, oh, you look great. No, we're here to get prepared and to do what God has called us to do. And that means you must face your bear. You must tackle your lion. Why? Because God is getting Goliath ready for you. Huh? So, at this point, David is facing his Goliath. Now, the traits of a Goliath, Goliath, he was the famous giant of Gath. And morning and evening, the Bible says, for 40 days, he defied the armies of the Israelites. See, 40 days, 40 is a very significant number, 40. 40. There's always a position or a, a period of transition. When you hear 40, Moses was in the desert for how long? 40 years, right? Uh, Jesus was out in the, in the desert being tempted of the devil, led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil for how long? 40 days, right? 40 days, 40 nights, it rained, right? And then God destroyed all of mankind. There is a period of a transition. And every time I hear the four days, I'm reminded that I spent 40 days days in the hospital being told that I was going to die. 40 days. I say, liar. Right? But there is a period of transition. He taunted for 40 days because God was preparing David's Goliath. Goliath, he was six cubits in a span. I go, what does that mean? A cubit equals 21 inches. That, that would make Goliath Ten and a half feet tall. That's a big dude. Ten and, think about ten and a half, ten and a half feet tall as far as tall as I am right now. Could you imagine walking upon a man that big? And David, the Bible says, was a ruddy uh, boy. He wasn't a very big, tall guy, right? Ruddy means red. He, I mean, he looked like red, like, like, like David White. He was our bass player, right? But he was not a big guy. And he's seen giant, this giant of a man, right? And Goliath's best weapon was intimidation. It wasn't the sword or anything else. It was intimidation because he, he appears invincible. Because he appears invincible, he tries to impose fear on people. Because if he can impose fear, he's got you already. And so that's what Goliaths do. They're always trying to impose fear, fear, fear. Hmm? And fear, my friend, is the opposite of faith. So Goliath always tries to address your, your faith issue. He intimidates you. That word intimidate means to threaten or coerce or terrorize. He wants to terrorize your emotions. He wants to affect you. That's why oftentimes the world and society would impose all these head trips, all these insecurities in you before you're 10 years old. So your little girl or young boy are afraid of this or afraid of that, and you're allowing the terror to, to, to determine who you are. I can't. I hate that word, I can't. Are you, what do you mean you can't? You can't? The Bible says I can do all things. It doesn't say you can't. I've never once said you can't do this. It says I can do all things. That's why I always tear, tell everybody, what do you, you can. You have to get a can opener. You can do all things. Don't let the devil lie to you. And sometimes, listen, I'm, and I don't, I'm not trying to fret, offend your family, but sometimes the devil uses your family to say, you'll never amount to anything. You are no good. And it rests on, the lion rests on us. Right? And that's a lie. You are somebody. 
Huh? You're the head, not the tail. You've been destined. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. You always got to. You always got to put that into yourself. See, Goliath, his intimidation appears invincible, indestructible, impregnable, unbeatable. But that's a lie. Because if you don't allow him to impose fear, if you don't allow him to impose panic or dread, you'll be in control. See, Moses records some spies in Numbers chapter 13. You remember that? The spies went out to look at the land, right? Ten came back with a bad report. These guys were sisilalas, right? What we call my neighborhood, they were chavalas. There were two of them that said, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. We don't buy it. In verse 13, verse 31, check it out. It says, but the men had gone up with him and said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they've spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours the living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We've seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Now, all this is contrary to Isaiah 54, when it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Uh, 54, verse 17. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. Huh? So when things come, don't, in fact, when people begin to come against you, you need to pray for them. Because the Bible says, When they come against you, they will be condemned. If you're a child of the Most High, you don't have to defend yourself. Allow God take, to take care of business. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Interestingly, Goliath, you look at the word Goliath, the word Goliath means soothsayer. That's an interesting word. Goliath, a synonym for soothsayer, diviner, fortune teller. Crystal gazer, clairvoyant, psychic. See, these, these things that we see in this world today, do we not, are only here to impose Goliath's will on your life. I know some people are so into their zodiac that they read it every day and they, they, they plan out their life based on, I'm a Cancer, I'm an Aries, I'm a Libra, I'm a whatever. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Huh? See, Goliath is just trying to impose his will on you. You will meet a dark and handsome man. Today is your opportunity to make money. These are lies. Huh? These are techniques of the devil. Caleb, in the story we just read, silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for certainly we can do it. So you only had two. Caleb and Joshua said, let's do this thing. Let's go. And the other ten fell victim to Goliath. Hmm. Two men of faith, and this is the, the hard part. Two men of faith could not outweigh the strength of all the people who refused to believe. That's why it's very important in here in our church that we have to believe. We have to become like one man and understand we are commissioned to take every inner city of the world. So, Because when, when doubt comes in, we have to be like a body and get rid of it. Let me say that again. Because doubt will kill a vision. And, 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 you know, the body, like a human body, 
when it wants to get rid of waste, you know what it does? We won't describe it. Well, we know what the body does. Well, that's what the, the spiritual body needs to do. Sometimes we have to get rid of some waste. Because we have a vision. You have to bite into this vision. And this is not my vision. This is a vision that that man passed to me, that my pastor passed to me. It's a vision that's been working since 1967 to go into every inner city of the world, uh, to have rehab homes, drug and alcohol rehab homes for men and women, to disciple men, to reach them, to teach them, then to send them. That's what we're called to do. I don't care. Those are all we can't do. We can't do it. Look at the people we're reaching. Shut up. When I first came to Victor Arch 33 years ago, that's what they would tell me. They would say, what are you going to that church, man? Why are you going to that church, man? It's full of drug addicts, ex-gang members, and prostitutes. I go, well, that's what Jesus would be, don't you think? Jesus came for the sick. He didn't come for the healthy. I go, I dig it there. I like it there. Because then I see people, how God can change people's lives. How, how God could turn things around. That's why we're facing a lot of Goliaths. Well, we, we have to come against Goliath in your life. Let's get back to the opening of the scripture. It says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David's getting, getting a little angry. They repeated to him what had been say, they've been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, verse 28, David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. The older brother is tearing into David. So David said, what have I done? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him the same as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. Saul, the king, went, sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he was a fight. He has been fighting since from his youth. See, courage will protect you from the greatest Goliath you'll ever face. Courage. See, there, there are three main Goliaths I see that everybody hits and faces. Huh? Three Goliaths that come in. And David got hit with them. The first one is discouragement. All right? You get discouraged. In verse 28, Eliab, David's oldest brother, comes up to him and he heard David speak and he gets angry at him. It says he was angry. Then he says, why did you come down here? And who did you leave that little sheep with? You know, why don't you go do your little petty job? What are you doing here? So he began to just try to discourage David. He comes after him. And listen, when you're doing something for God, those who are not doing things for God will try to discourage you. And I'm not talking about people in the world, because people in the world have sense enough to know that they're all messed up, and they probably appreciate you going to church. Like, well, at least you're doing good, man. You keep doing good, bro. But it's people who are not in the world, not running amok, that are in church and not doing anything for God, they would discourage you the moment you try to do something. Why? Because you expose their unwillingness to do something. Oh, Rabbi, shut son. So David comes up and says, well, let's go take out this giant. Eliab's been there for 40 days. Remember, he was talking, he was, you know, and the giant's been fought, talking that for 40 days. Eliab, big bag, Eliab, been there, didn't do anything. 
So all of a sudden, his little boy, brother, comes up. You're trying to make me look bad, huh? What are you doing here? Go do your own job. Get out of here. So he began to discourage him. David just brushed him off like a piece of paper. He goes, I ain't talking to you. Right? He looked at him, and he kept talking. So don't pay no mind to those who are doing nothing for God. Uh, don't listen to them. If you're doing something for God, you keep doing it. Don't let anyone discourage you from what you're doing. Why are you doing this? What are they doing? They're asking this. No, no, you just keep doing it. Oh, but I'm not perfect. I blew it. I, so what? It's the kind of people God likes, the ones that are not perfect. And then they do blow it every now and then. But they're wise enough to get back up, brush off the dust off their, their feet and say, you know what? I made a minimum mistake, but I'm getting back up. I'm still going to do something for God. I'm still going to go forward. Huh? See, if, that does, if discouragement doesn't hurt you, then what they'll begin to do is attack your, your, your character. A, a character assassination. What his brother, instead of saying, man, look at my little brother. He's getting ready to do some damage, man. That's my brother, man. No, he said, you are conceited. He called him conceited. You're conceited. And I know you're wicked. Why are you coming over here? His own brother. Call him conceited and wicked. Try to attack his character. Right? Huh? See, this has been a continuing theme for David. We see the clue when David asks the question of his older brother. You know, he gets it and he goes, now what have I done? The implication there is his brother would always talk about him. Always blame him for something. It's probably because Eliab knows that when the prophet came to anoint him, he says, you're not the one. And you're not the one. And you're not the one. You got anybody else? Oh, yeah, we got the little kid out in the back taking care of a few sheep. Bring him to me. You're the one. Eliab was there. So you can imagine Eliab was jealous because he didn't get the call of God. He didn't get the anointing of God. He didn't have the guts and the courage to go over and fight a lion and a bear. It was little old David. Yeah, yeah. Eliab begins to attack his character. Why? Because he wanted to destroy David's call. And the third thing you'll face, these are Goliaths, discouragement, character assassination, and then misguidance, improper leadership. Verse 33, Saul replied, the king now, you're not able to go against this guy and fight him, right? In other words, he said, you're just a boy. See, Saul follows his own lack of faith with human reason. You're only a boy, and he's a fighting man. What are you going to do? You can't do it. So now the leadership, instead of encouraging him and telling him, I don't know what you got in you, boy, but you're ready to do Let's do this thing. He said, what's wrong with you, boy? See, courage, courage is something that never forgets the past victories. So that's why you have to have victories. If all you have is defeats, and most of the time when people come to church, all they have is defeats, right? So uh, my job, listen, my job is to put you in a position of victories. Amen. Now, I don't know what task you'll do, what task you shouldn't do, but I do know that, I, that you have to find a victory in your life. That's why I love it when guys and girls go through the home. Why? Because they can always look back and say, I went through that home. And believe me, going through the home is a heavy task. Huh? It's not easy. A day in the home is like a thousand years. <laughs> All right? 
So, but when you get through it, listen, the devil can never take that from you. And when you get pressure from somebody in the church or you get pressure from someone in the world, you can say, shoot, this ain't nothing, man. I went through the home. Shoot, I went through the home, bro, and my director was crazy. My head staff was an idiot. You can use all the terminology you want, but you still got to listen to them. Amen? But you go through it, and you look back, and you go, that's a victory. Right? Jose, you graduated the home, right? So it doesn't matter what happens. You went through the home. Larry, you went through the home, right? It doesn't matter what goes on, right? I went through the home. Right? When you have that under your belt, there's something about it. Something about it. I lived in a home. We lived in a home for 14 years. 14 years. People say, man, the home so long a year. Dude, I lived in a home for 14 years. Don't make me stay, make you stay there for 14 years, amen. 14 years. Dealing with dealing with beautiful people like you guys and you girls. Amen. Hallelujah. We had a woman's home for one one time. Well, some of these women are a trip. I had, to, I had to deliver one woman from, from my wife because my wife was going to take her out. I know oh, you, she's going to take you out. You got to go. I don't know what you did to my wife, but you're in trouble now. You got to go. You got to roll, girl. Why? Because my wife's about to take you out. <laughs> uh, dealing with home people is great. Amen? Why? Because that's where you get your victories. And when you get your victory, you watch what happens. That's why 80% of the people all over the world for Victor Arich are graduates from our home. It's not because the church, we have 20%, but for some reason, they can rest. That's like their lion and their bear, the home. When they face Goliath, where's Goliath? 10 feet tall, that's a midget. Where's, where's Goliath? Why? Because they don't look at his height from their level. They look at the giant's height from God's level. And from God's level, giant Goliath is a midget. That's a shrimp. Huh? That's a shrimp. So David never forgot his past victories. David never forgot the lion that he had by the throat and the bear he had by the neck. See, he knew what he knew. He knew that I took out a bear. I took out a lion. Nothing Saul could say, nothing his brother could say, nothing anyone could say could take the fact that he had taken out a lion and a bear. Think about that one. What you talking about? See, because of the experience he had. That's why when people come at me, what are you doing in Victor Why are you doing that? You know, you, you, have, you have three degrees, masters and doctors. Could you make some money? I don't want to make money. I want to make men and women of God. That's what I want to do. Why? Because I know, I know, I know what I know. I, so I met God. I met the Holy Ghost. Are you kidding me? When you meet God, what else do you want to do? Build a widget? Huh. I mean, I know that I know that the devil can't take nothing from me, no matter how hard it gets. And it's gotten hard at times, it's gotten good at times. But no matter how hard it gets, I have had an experience with the Holy Ghost. Huh? I know that what God has done for my life, I've seen what God has done with men's life, I've seen what he's done in my family. Hmm? See, he knew because of his experience that this uncircumcised Philistine was about to die. No one else knew it, but David knew it. He goes, you guys just don't know. This brother's dead. Dead man walking. When he came, that's what he's seen. Dead man walking. The green mile. Bring him on, Jack. No one else seen it, but David saw it. 
See, and David's courage, man, it finds its root in his innocence. And really, that, that's the best word I could think of, of how he found it. He was innocent. He just believed he could. He, he didn't care what people said. Or it doesn't matter. He just believed that he could. That word innocence, free from guilt, sin, especially the lack of evil. Blameless as an innocent child. In, harmless in effect. Huh? Innocent. Lacking or reflecting a lack of sophistication or self-consciousness. In other words, they weren't into themselves. They were just innocent. And Luke chapter 18 is the best description of what God is trying to teach us here. Luke 18, 16 reads like this. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these will never enter it. See, it is the sophistication of man that have questioned the reality of God. I was in a debate, well, I was in a debate, I was watching a debate between one of our pastors in, in Victor Arch London and uh, Manchester. He was debating this professor, atheist. And nothing you could tell this atheist would change nothing. And I go, his name's Michael Paul, you throw him pearls to swine. Save your jewelry, right? Then the guy began to, oh, it's Mr. Lobo. I think I have to spend all night convincing you there's no God. I go, oh, the uncircumcised Philistine. You are lucky you're in Europe, and I'm here because I'd take you out right now. Amen? Uh, and, I, and so what, what, what it was, the, the sophistication of man, only that can wipe out God from a person's conscience. So, and Jesus said, hey, unless you're like a little child, I don't want you. Well, let me say it again. Unless you're like a little child, I know you just got to believe. Huh? God will reward those who believe that, that he is. That's it. He doesn't have to prove. God doesn't have to prove one thing to you. In fact, if you don't want to believe there's a God, then go ahead. Go to hell. Hell is full of volunteers. But he is rewarded of those who diligently seek him. That's it. And, that's, and the Bible is clear. The gospel is foolishness <clears throat> to those who perish. So we have to have that, that, that awe of God. I don't understand everything, God, but I trust you. Unaware, perfectly innocent of a situation. The best definition is we have to be pure, unmixed with any matter, free from dust, dirt, stained, spotless, stainless, free from harshness or roughness, pure. We just have to, we just have to believe. Because if you read the scriptures with the intent of sophistication, then there's no way you can believe that God made a fish to swallow Jonah. That doesn't make sense to the human mind. Well, our mind, we, we have pea brains. There's no way that, that, that it makes sense to a sophisticated human being that God could split the Red Sea. So if you, you can think yourself right out of heaven and into hell. So God, Jesus says, no, 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 no. You must come like this little child. See, if you tell a little child, you know what? God split the Red Sea. They will believe. Right? But if you tell somebody who's got too much of themselves in them, 
<laughs> they won't believe. Verse 34, they were coming in for landing. And David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried him out from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David in his youth didn't realize that he couldn't kill a lion or a bear. Think about that. See, innocence precedes the anointing required to tackle such a prospect. If he would have really thought about it, nobody told him that humans can't kill lions and bears. So here is this little boy in the field, because nobody told him. A lion comes and he kills him. If somebody would have got a hold of that little boy and ruined him, said, you can't do that, he would have never went after that lion. That's why I tell people, I see people do it, and this is how it happens. See, little kids are very innocent. They have no insecurities, no fears. Then as they grow up, they get all these fears. And you know where they get them? From their mom and dad. I'm afraid of flying. Now your kids are afraid of flying. I'm afraid of flying. Why? Good, my mom is. Wait, I never told her your spirit. So your fears become their Goliaths. And all those insecurities are transferred. And you will have your reasons, whatever. Nonetheless, those fears don't stay with you. Ouch. Everybody go, ouch. I would say, ouch. Huh? No, no. See, nobody told David he couldn't do that. He was never told that bears were too powerful to fight off. And unknowingly, David retook the authority lost by Adam. Unknowingly, he seen a lion and a bear. He goes, I have a dominion over that bear. I'm going to kill it. And he killed it. Notice the battle. David never went looking for the enemy. The enemy always came to him. See, David was just doing his ministry. He was taking care of sheep. Just doing his thing. And the enemies came to him. Right? And that's the very important. So you have to find your task in the ministry. Don't go looking for a fight. They'll come. If you go looking for a fight and say, well, that's the devil. No, that's you. Then you're calling yourself the devil. We never look for a fight. We do ministry. And when the fight comes, well, okay, let's get it on. We just do what God has called us to do. See, once attacked... David did three things very quickly. In verse 35, it says, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued. See, when you're attacked, then you go after the enemy. He struck the enemy. He rescued sheep. See, we know. Does anybody know who our enemy is? The devil's our enemy. Not only the devil, the world, and your flesh. So we know who the enemy is. You know that one said, We've seen the enemy. And it is us. Huh? So, so our mission, because we know who the enemy is, I know who the enemy is, our mission is to rescue sheep, rescue people. That's our mission. We're not called to go out and kill demons and, and devils. Now, you know, that's why I hear rappers, oh, I'm going to bomb a demon killer. You're, no, you're a dummy. Because we're not called to do that. We're called to rescue people. 
Now, as we're rescuing people, if there's a spirit on that person or we're coming to a demonic area and that demon or spirit turns on us and begins to attack to us, now it's time to get it on. Well, we don't go looking for stuff like that. That's not our call. Jesus didn't come down from heaven to go beat up the devil. No, he came down to rescue us, to set us free, to deliver us, to put us back in right standing. That's, that's the job. All this other stuff just sort of happens not by our choice. Amen? See, 1 Samuel, it says there in verse 35, when it turned on me, then I seized it, struck it, and killed it. That's the only time we move into that kind of uh, attack or that kind of mode. So I had one, some girls, we had a few girls in Hayward. They were, well, we're going we're gonna to pray and fast. I go, why are you going to pray and fast? We're going to come against the devil. Hold him. I would tell them, don't do that. Just pray and fast. The Bible says to pray and fast for each other. Pray, pray and fast for you and take care of the, the household of flag. Do good and do good, especially the household of faith. Focus your attention on that. Don't go out there trying to fight the devil. Because the devil's been doing this a lot longer than we all have. Right? And he knows you better than you know you. If you're going to pick a fight with him, you're in trouble. Right? So we just, we do this. Well, did they listen to their pastor? No. They wanted to go pray and fast and come against the devil. We found that girl in the bottom of an empty swimming pool. Empty swimming pool. The good thing it was empty. Naked, swimming, not in her right mind. Why am I saying that? Because that's not, that's not what you're called to do. We're called to pray for each other. We're called to be examples. We're called to care, love, right? Teach. But we're not, well, that's not our calling. The only time that happens, and if, it may not happen to any of you, maybe a few of you, the only time I've ever had to deal with that is when it turned on me. And I don't like that because I know how to fight that, and I will fight that, and I have overcome that. But nonetheless, that's a heavy head trip. The head trip of that battle lasts for months. That's why it's not, it's not our call. We're called to reach every industry of the world to get men and, and women out of bondage. You know, to, to go into communities and find lonely housewives that are hurting. To find young men who have no direction and give them hope and a purpose. Huh? That's our call. To give people back their dignity. So we focus on that. Amen? So we have to stay focused. David persisted, and I'm almost done. I've been taking care of my father's sheep. And he gave the whole story. And I'm going to do this to this Philistine. Right? David grabbed his animals by the hair, and he took them out. David's Goliath wasn't just Goliath. It wasn't what he saw. David's greatest Goliath was those people standing next to him. Hmm? His giant was the people standing with them. David's victory over Goliath became a turning point of his life. God had to get him to the Goliath. But the hard part wasn't for him to get to Goliath. The hard part was getting through the doubt of the people around him. See, that's our biggest battle. Can you get past the doubt of people around you to get to your Goliath? Whoa. Huh? 
See, David, again, it was a turning point, and that wasn't just a turning point for David. I'm going to end with this, I promise. But it was a turning point for people who followed him. Huh? People who followed him. 2 Samuel 21, let's all turn there. Look what happens. Because somebody has to conquer a Goliath besides me. I'm doing it, but I need somebody else to get out there and do it. You ready? You got verse 21, verse 19, take us out. In another battle with the Philistine at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jareh, Oregim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. In still another battle, which took place in Gath, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 and all, who was also was a descendant of Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. What am I saying? See, only the innocent like, that believe the pure of heart are able to take on a Goliath. Well, what happened is because David took on his Goliath, two more took on their Goliaths. So my job is to take on my Goliath. As an example to show you if I could do it. Why do you think I always talk about where I came from? Do you think I'm proud of that? No, I am embarrassed by that. And one thing I don't like to be is embarrassed. Huh? When I look at what I did and who I was and how I was trained in a God-forsaken neighborhood called Dakota, when I think about that, you think I, like, I bring up? No, it brings back a lot of bad memories that I'm not so proud of. Well, why do I do it? Because if I could take Goliath and stand here today, just like those men saw David kill Goliath, who's the next in line going to take on your Goliath? You're going to stand right next to me and say, look, I took on a Goliath too. Huh? This is what I did. Huh? I decided to answer the call of God. I decided to become a pastor. I decided to become an evangelist. I decided to go become a missionary. I decided to face my Goliath. Because if I could do it, anybody can. Anybody can. And that's what we're about. That's why I get frustrated when we get people, we help them, we bring them up, we, get, we clean them up, and they get nice and clean, and they split. Wow. What happened? Are you running from your Goliath? So we have to be people who run to our Goliath. Don't run away from it. David didn't run away. Huh, very interesting. It says when David saw Goliath, I love this. He didn't look at it. It says he ran towards him. So I need people who start running towards their Goliath instead of running away and hiding. Run towards it. You have to believe. I want every head bowed and every head closed. Everybody's body right close. Giant killers. 
I need some men and women who say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm ready for my Goliath. Or I'm getting ready for my Goliath. You have to be a people who go, let's run towards it. If we don't develop people like that, we're never going to fill this church. There's too many doubters. We need people who say, look, let's do this. I'm in. Where's my lion? Where's my bear? Let me kill that so I can get ready. It's always a preparation for something. God didn't just save you just so that you can be saved and go to heaven. No. He saved you because when you were being born, he had established a plan for your life, a purpose. There's always a purpose. And it always boils down to one thing, that no one should perish. So our life has to be in line with something that gives value to others' life, well-being to them, that none should perish. Desire that none should perish, no, not one. And we really can't begin to expand like we should until you've conquered your lion, until you've taken on your bear, and that you've accepted the challenge of your Goliath. If that's you, we're going to sing a song. I want you to come forward that I might pray for you.